Coming at you from Stretch of Wolf Studios, that time again to rage across the internet, your very favorite Werewolf the Apocalypse podcast. I'm your host, Porter. As always, to my left, we have the official stand-in for Brian Cranson, Mr. Daniel Tyson. Hey, everybody. And across from me, the Len Kabazinski of podcast, Mr. Tommy Dixon. How's it going, gentlemen? It is going. It's going. That's ah, good to see you. Ah, good to be here. It's recording day. That's right. It's our favorite day of the week. Yes, it is. Next to podcast day, of course. Well, depending on who you are and when you're listening, it's one and the same. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> Just, I mean, hey, happy Playing podcast day. Knowledge. He is. He's, he's beaten again. Oh, this is Danny's season. This is really his <laughs> season. season. Okay. He has been on the ball in a way I'm not comfortable with, quite frankly. He's taking sitting, away all our jokes. He's going to be sitting in this chair before too long. We're not even going to know what happened. No, nah, I'm good. I like this one. Oh, I can't wait to hear his intro. Gross. A little curious about that. I did it one time and I hated it. <laughs> I enjoyed it when I did it the one time. That was a good one. That was a long time ago, too. It was a long Jesus. time ago. That was like 30. And that makes today, today a special day. Today is a special day. Episode 104. This is, this is the anniversary, guys. I mean, I know... Because we're fun with numbers, right? right? We, we decided right. that January was the mark of a season. Correct. So season one was truncated, fine. It was a shorter season. Mm-hmm. So like we started season three in January, and then we had episode 100 in February. Yep. And now this is episode 104, which is when you do the math, is the anniversary. Technically, yeah. It's our, it's our two-year anniversary. So happy anniversary. Yay! Yay. And we thought, what, uh, what better way to handle the anniversary than uh, to talk uh, something big? Yeah, and this is kind of a big deal in-game. Yeah, so I thought definitely this is the time, I think this is a good time to talk about it. And it's something, you know, so such a vast, meaty topic that I thought, what better thing to do than to have one of our very favorite guests on? Mm-hmm. You know, our, our good friend. He's etched in crimson. You know him from Weaponized Inc., Mr. C. Grant Rose. Grant, how are you doing, brother? Hey, how y'all doing? Happy to be here, of course. You're doing great. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Thank you, thank you. This is uh, number seven, I believe. It is number seven. So, <laughs> grapply getting the race to ten is on, you know. Yeah, them steak knives are going to be yours, I'm telling you what. <laughs> as long as it comes with a toaster. I need that toaster in my life. I can see about an RAI toaster. <laughs> that's probably more doable than steak knives. I was going to say that. say that's true. <laughs> And if not... I would wager those steak knives would be like made of Play-Doh or something. <laughs> Say, we could always just put a REI sticker on a toaster and send it to him. Oh, that was my plan. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, he ruined it. Look at, look at, it is his season. He ruined it already. Right. Gave it away. I'm just that's saying. Absolutely the plan. That's going to be way cheaper. <laughs> I know it's possible to make... They have toasters where you can make a symbol on the toast. Right, but we could instead go to the dollar store across the street, buy a toaster... And slap a sticker on the side of it. The I Can Soak It sticker. One in RAN and I Can Soak It. And then we'll retire the damn stickers. <laughs> Make it limited edition. That's right. That's right. Speaking of, though, speaking of the store. Right. We have one. Yes, we do. With more <laughs> stuff, we got it again. Old, old bunch of stuff in there. You know, that might get cleaned up soon. But right now, there's all sorts of stuff there with, uh, with our logo schlock on the side. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun way to show the love, or you just like the logo, whatever. You know, it's a great great uh, way to, to support, show other people. Speaking of support, you could uh, go and join us and make a donation over on our Ko-Fi. 
ko-fi slash rage across the internet. Find that link over on our website. That's true, or on the show notes. Both. Um, They're always there. If you ever have trouble finding them, you shouldn't have any trouble. But yell at Danny if you ever have trouble. <laughs> and you could yell at Danny through our Discord. This is true. Which you can get the link to on our forums at, again, rageacrosstheinternet.com. Dot com. Yep. Really? <laughs> the anniversary. Dot com. Hey, there we go. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. Only the seventh time, right? Seventh time makes it right. Uh, hey, you don't, so you know the score now. There's no excuse. <laughs> and, of course, if you don't want to make a monetary contribution, which, I mean, is where Ko-Fi is, either a one-time donation of your choosing or join one of our tiers, you get some uh, where we reward you, we thank you, we give you gifts in, in exchange. Mm-hmm. But if not, just share the love. Ratings, reviews, telling your friends, telling your enemies, telling the crossing guard that you, why are you talking to? You're far too old to be talking to a crossing guard because there's an implication there. But, but you can still advertise for the podcast. You can tell them about it. I mean, maybe they're helping your child cross the street and you're just being friendly. Well, hopefully you have a child there. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing. Which one's yours? I don't know. I haven't picked one out yet. That's beautiful. Oh, oh my God, Danny. That's Jesus. <laughs> three for three right now. That man wow. is in rare form today. <laughs> he made himself laugh that hard. <laughs> right, so if this is your first episode, welcome. We actually talk about oh. Werewolf on this show. Yeah. Various aspects of. Hope you're having fun with us. Grant, I hope you're going to have fun. Of course, always have fun. Excellent. Let's have lots of fun doing these. Good to hear, because uh, our jokey joke show, we definitely... If nothing else, we entertain ourselves. <laughs> Hopefully others. Half Hopefully. the battle. It really is. But let's get to it. Yeah, we have a, an important topic for our special anniversary. Without further ado. Yeah. The, the Garo Nation is, is a long-lived society that largely followed the oral tradition. And that history is brought together in the Silver Record. Something that is, I would say, monolithic in scale and intent. Yeah, it's, it's a bigger deal than it sounds. Well, and it's also sometimes not, and sometimes overvalued. But this is the kind of stuff we're going to be here talking about today. You know, so first of all, what is the silver record? We know that it is the culmination of the songs and stories and history of the Garu. The, the lessons, the past, the windows perhaps to the future and learning those lessons. That's a good way of putting it. Now, of course, there's the source book, The Silver Record. Which, Correct. And I want to be clear right off, the, right off the jump street here. This is not a book report. We're certainly touching down on things that are in The Silver Record, the book. But this episode is not about The Silver Record, the book. It is about The Silver Record in the game, in the world. It's the meta Silver Record. Yes. Yeah, we absolutely looked into the book, Silver right. Record. And, and how else are we supposed to distinguish the two of them right now without making it sound absolutely ridiculous? But but here it is. You know, right. The source book exists. Obviously, those are in the record. We will just, But yes. it's not about that source book. No, we're, <laughs> we're talking about the in-game valuable source of the Silver Record. Does that make I hope that fucking well, we, makes we sense. We hope you're following us now. <laughs> <laughs> I know Tom's trying to piece everything together. <laughs> it's a giant jigsaw puzzle right now. Like I have been, we've been practicing how the hell we're supposed to explain this. Even when we talked about the episode and right. doing the research, 
So I don't look at the silver record. No, you have to look at the silver record, but we want to talk about the silver record, not about the silver record. Yeah, but That's, what if I... <laughs> that just gets confusing. Exactly. And what if but, I but what about the silver record? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how far into the silver record do I have to look for the silver record? Right. See? It's a fine it's, line. It's like, well, what about, what about the whole glyph section? But we're not talking about the silver record. You don't need to talk about the glyph. <laughs> I had actually asked you about that. Yeah. <laughs> but there are... That is important stuff. Looking into, like, the glyph section, some of that was really fucking cool. Well, yeah, when, you know, to talk about the source book for a minute, yeah, there is an awesome glyph section at the back, which dissects, it gives you all sorts of glyphs, but also dissects, like, the tribal glyphs. Mm-hmm. It goes through some pharoglyphs. It, it's really neat outside of game. It, it's a nice resource to have. Yes, and I like them, especially the tribal ones. I mean, if we're going to talk about it for a few seconds at least. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. You know, it gives the reasoning why some of those symbols are the way they are. And there are combinations of different, like, claw marks, the source of where they would come from, and the importance of what that mark means in combination of other marks to make one big symbol. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, because you can see how the glyphs will... You take the simple concept, you add them together, make a third uh, to something else. I think about the Shadow Lord one, which was eye-opening to me where it, what we're depicting there is two hands coming together, clutching something. Yes. And once you see that, you can see it. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking, with the two, the two claws yep. clutching and bringing together. And you got the two marks at the top. Well, those are where the thumbs go. Oh, it all makes sense. Now. Uh-huh. That, that was, I agree with you. The Shadow Lord was the big one, as far as being able to see the different marks that the claw would make. Yeah, yeah I think it... We're not making a meal out of that. I think mm-hmm. we're about done with it. But I think being able to see those dissected like that was pretty interesting. I'm mind blown over here because I didn't read that part. Because I asked you and you said we're not going to bother. So. Yeah. But now that I know, I'm going back and I'm reading that. It, yeah. it's so got, for yeah. those of us like over in Weaponized Zinc where we're having to recreate a lot of these things for Savage Age, like the, the breakdown of how the glyphs come together is intuitively useful for us. Because, you know, a lot of us over there, uh, we're, we have a classical education in linguistics and cultural development so we really use that as kind of like a, a skeleton and a, and a basic blueprint to kind of recreate these uh prehistoric languages and modes of communication uh especially for our unique changing breeds that's awesome that's absolutely awesome well i mean that's i'm, I'm less impressed than danny i've come to expect that level of excellence that you guys over at weaponized angst mm. <laughs> fair that's right. I complimented him and high roaded you. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well done. And of course, you know, Weaponized Inc., um, you guys handled the Savage Age. Werewolf the Savage Age, which is an excellent line, and I encourage each and every one of you to go check that out if you haven't already. And also uh, go back to those previous Savage Age episodes, which will be a good primer because we ain't done talking about those, but not today. Not today. Now go into the, um, to the silver record itself. I think I'm going to open with this, is that um, I went back to second edition. And, you know, of course, that's where I started. Like, you know, it was hot off the presses, boom, second edition, the new hotness. This is, this is where Porter's Genesis and the world begins. And the legends of the Garu in that book. And it was always a story that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And since we were doing this episode, I wanted to come back to it. Because that story, um, it involves Death Takes Last and Kate Chaser Never Rests and a fresh cub named Brian. Just Brian. Brian. Okay. This is a human name. He's a human man. Okay. He's a, changed yet. He's a boy. He's no, a, he's, a, he's a cub, so he yeah, he's just brand changed. New. And the story is about he's being taught the silver record. I mean, it's that standard 
mm-hmm. the book, we're leading you and explaining to you the world around you through this story, through this character, who is being taught the Silver Record in a lodge of the Silver Record. Now, we talk about how like there's not a copy of the Silver Record in the fucking Library of Congress. You know, we have to maintain <laughs> the veil. But the, these lodges would exist. These cabins, these caves, or sacred places where the Silver Record would be carved into the walls and protected. Because after all, the old tradition, how much gets lost when somebody dies? Or how much of a history, you mm-hmm. know, when a keeper of the record falls? The story... It talks about how each glyph contains a spirit within and how you can run your fingers over these glyphs and have the story, my words, not theirs, kind of beamed into your brain. You experience it that way. I mean, read the story. But it ends with, um, with, with the end of that lodge, with the death of Death Takes Last and young Brian being christened Worm Takes Last, who, by the way, is the guy narrating the Silver Records source book. Oh, no shit. No shit. He is canonically the final lore keeper of the Silver Record because that last Silver Lodge was burned to the ground to keep the worm from getting their hands on it. Holy hell. I didn't even think about that. They they also have a lot of tangential connections between the Sept that was uh, guarding the Silver Record, which was the Sept of the Hidden Wind. A lot of those guys, you know, you see them pop up in other Tales of the Guru. Unless you're tracking who they are, like by name, you kind of don't know that they were part of this sept that was meant to guard the Silver Record. So it's definitely worth going over and reading through the Tales that grew through all of 2nd Edition and a lot of uh, Revised. Yeah, there's, there's some really good shit there. Fucking some of it's linked, some of it's not. But yeah, I thought that was great. And I love this concept of the Lodge of the Silver Record. And I know canonically there aren't anymore. We'll, we'll talk about how it exists in the Silver Record source book in a minute or two. But, but I want to talk about this idea of this lodge for a second, of this idea of these lost places where the silver record exists tangibly like this. For example, in, in our games, I think you guys can think of a lodge house that exists inside a cairn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we're not allowed to be in. <laughs> that, you're, that you're not allowed to go into. Right. At least one, right? Right. You know, that idea, or maybe you find like a lost cairn and what's, what's down this cave path or whatever. And you find all these glyphs and now there's something to protect or a lore keeper that exists that needs to be protected to pass on knowledge. Of course, now that gets in the way of Worm Takes Last, who's supposed to be the last one. But with there being a new edition coming out at some point, that has to be addressed in the first place. Because he was supposed to be the last and now it's been 20 years. 30, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Yeah, he could still be alive. He wasn't very old, but... You know, eh, yeah, he's, he's getting there. Allegedly, there was an apocalypse in between this, so it's something to consider. Yeah. Uh, if he lived through whatever craziness they're going to have in between the Revised and uh, World War Five, uh, he will be 48 in game, as he was supposed to be born somewhere around 1974. Jesus, right? And that's, I mean, that's old for Agaru, but it's not old for Agaru. You can live well. Yeah, this is in her hundreds, but. Most Garu don't live that long, so it's it's a coin toss there. I, I get what you're saying. You know, if you ever had to battle, you know, <laughs> there's always battles going on, something like that. But that's nuts. That's so crazy to think about. It was it was a detail that I missed until I went to do research again for this episode. And I was like, I was thrilled to see there's worm taste, takes last in the in the Silver Record source book. How cool is that? That's and he's awesome. talking about the shit. That's very cool. I love that Doc Connect. That's one of the great things about Werewolf. 
And also, now that I'm thinking out loud, we're talking about age, I'm sad that probably Larissa won't be in five. <laughs> she is old. Right? <laughs> to make her 130. If exactly, you know. 130 what is something. keeping her going? She will be older than the game of poker. All right, so well, let's keep on that thread where he's the last one. Mm-hmm. How else does the silver record keep getting updated? This is one thing I like. He's carrying around hides of black spiral dancers that have been cleansed and using them as record keeping. Hmm. I actually pull a quote from that. Oh, cool. Dan, like, direct from the book. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, it is skin. Black spiral hide, to be precise. Tan with blood, piss, and clear water. And purified by a host of secret rites until the worm taint has been washed away. It's not easy, but I think it's worth the effort. See, the way I look at it, we're reclaiming our lost brothers and sisters for Gaia. It's an honor, really. Respect given to white howlers they once were. Maybe by purifying these skins or writing our greatest legends across them, we're setting their souls free from the black spiral and bringing them back to the family. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could not grab awesome. that. That, yeah, was I know. that is so cool. <laughs> so he's just carrying around rolls of hides. With the legends scrawled on. You know, and how do you get them? You travel. You talk to every galliard. It's always worth noting, actually, that the worm takes last as a philodox. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I didn't know that either. Yep. He's, he's not even a Galliard. Nope. nope. He's just assumed the position because of how important it is. Oh, he was chosen, technically. Even cooler. <laughs> but so there he is, somewhere in the world, wandering, gra- grabbing every story he can to add it to the last physical copy of the record so that the history isn't lost forever. Fucking cool. Right? I can just <laughs> see that like, he travels... From, like, sept to sept. When's your next moot? I'd love to hear these stories. Well, then think of the implication for games, too. Maybe he uh, he needs an escort through hostile territory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, think what the worm could do with that. Right? On one, you have, you have a bunch of skins, so skin dancers could do all kinds of crazy stuff with skins. And then on top of that, you know, you have all these, uh, these secret prophecies and stories and history that they can take advantage of. Could you imagine... I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if this would work, but fuck it, right? Could you imagine a skin dancer with the silver record on his hide? <laughs> oh, boy. But those hides were... Uh, They're already purified. They were purified so and cleansed. Have worm taint? I think by, by virtue of the right, it would end up with worm taint, but neither here nor there. At that point, that is a skin dancer. What do you do with them? You can't kill them. I mean, you can, but you mm-hmm. can't damage his hide because then you're fucking up the silver record. Oh, man. Well, that's a tough situation. Yeah, right? well, that's why I brought it up. Exactly. <laughs> the implications on that one, that's nuts. I mean, what are the odds, though, that there's five under the same moon, though? Oh, look. This I, is I a, get it, but I'm just saying. Like it's slim a, and it's, none. It's but, slim and none. But, but we're just playing with the thought for a minute. I like it, but the odds aren't really there. No, like no, it. but it's a nightmare scenario. It we're is just a pretending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nightmare scenario is right. I like that. You know, oh, I slash his arm, and now look, the story of the end of the War of Rage is gone. Oh, <laughs> and we don't know how it ended. There goes the prophecy of the phoenix, right? Just gone. Which, moving to the subject of what kind of thing, and I mean, we're not bouncing around because it's what we do. The kind of stuff that's in the silver record, I think, prophecy of the phoenix is one of the biggest and first things to be brought up. Oh, very. Whereas, if you know, we're going back to that hide thing, or it was slashed, and no longer that story's there. You would think that enough people would know that story that it can be written down again. Well, Prophecy of the Phoenix, certainly. Yeah. But 
I like how, just throwing it out there. Did, did you like the how now we'll never know how the War of Rage ended? <laughs> like we knew already. Right, like let's, I don't know, let's ask all the Naga walking around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe Brian will know. <laughs> See, Brian? but then it goes into a big game of telephone. Which is, it's all just oral at this point. There's going to be some stuff that's lost in translation. Absolutely true. And I mean, that's something I've always been, I don't want to say critical, but maybe critical of in the Silver Record. Or maybe not, no, not critical, but I've always pointed out that, you know, just because the story goes that way doesn't mean that that's how that happened. This story was from like a thousand years ago. So I know what it says. Right. (laughs) What really happened. Things get embellished all the time. That's just how it goes. Stuff gets left out. Stuff gets added. You want to impress someone at a move. storyteller, too, because they will give different inflections on different things. Exactly. What are they focusing on? You could tell the same story five or six different ways, depending even on the point of view of the, the person you're telling it from. Mm-hmm. It's what lesson they're trying to teach. Right? Oh, that's a big one, too. Good job. You know, maybe you're focusing on the, the horror of battle, or the importance of bonds on a battlefield, or the futility of war, or the hope... In a you know the revel in a victory or and you can and it's the same story it's, yeah say it could be the same story just told those four different ways right all the more important to get as many different versions of a thing well what about stories that we know of that maybe aren't in the silver record maybe should be well see that becomes a question right because the silver record is so so vast right that what is in it what isn't in it and uh, maybe do we even say what shouldn't shouldn't be. And again, are we talking about the source book? Or are we talking about it in we're, we're game? We're talking about in game. <laughs> we might talk about stuff that's in the source book, but that's in the silver record. So we're done you know. addressing the source book specifically. <laughs> Just making the joke. Again. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so, so here's my thing on it. So you have to take into account you have the Mokule and they have Nisus. And, but a lot of that doesn't actually get transferred over to the Guru Nation, doesn't get added to the silver record. You have these pages and pages of stories and info that just never gets to the Guru Nation. So it never actually gets immortalized in the Silver Record. That could be, and probably are, of utmost importance to the uh, World of Rage and Apocalypse itself. So I think that's a big travesty. That would be one thing that the Guru Pack would have to really start trying to focus on. Let's get all these uh, outside sources of this information consolidated for us. That would actually be make for some really interesting stories, even maybe a chronicle or two. The idea of perhaps being sent by uh, Worm Takes Last to to try and gather some of these stories for a more complete record of everything. You know, the idea of having to maybe find some Macaulay in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Because that's already... Right? Uh, yeah, that's already... Good luck. Like, you're not going to go to the zoo and check out the reptile house and <laughs> fucking cash in. You know, Jurassic Park, not a real place. You're going to have to find one. And then you're going to have to, get to make them nice. Right. You're going to have to like find him in a way that doesn't get you ate. And, and, and then to get him to talk to you, to trust you enough to talk to you, to, to build that bond, to hear those stories, and then like get out alive with the stories. Right, because even if he tells you stories, are you trustworthy enough to hold on to those? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to give him a talk at first, but certainly there's someone chasing you, someone trying See, to that stop sounds you. Like a, that sounds like a goal for Gogol Fang's first under the Amazon. Which would create its own problems because you can't just leave the Amazon <laughs> at that point. Go, hey, go, go. I'm just here for a fun weekend. No, 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 no. You owe him a tour. <laughs> He's got folks to hunt people down when they skip out on tours. He's a badass. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you're leaving to go find a lizard? 
We need stories, damn it. Hey, if you make your patrol, find your stupid lizard. I don't care. But once you're done finding your lizard, you're not going home. At first. <laughs> uh, no, you've got like another six months here. That means the Macaulay would have way more stories than the Garu do. Well, it's their job. Yep. But and you also have to take into account the best dead, who's the keeper of secrets. Think about how many of those that they've not spread, not shared with the rest of you know, the rest of the Pharaoh. Well, they did get fired for it. Because they were too good at their job. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't tell Guy of the Secrets. That's why we have Korax. <laughs> Blurred out everything. Right. Well, there you go. Just go talk to Korax. Yeah, Korax is... Oh, we look at the different Pharaoh episodes we did with the Korax. They'll trade things for secrets. They'll trade secrets mm-hmm. for shiny things, even. Mm-hmm. Here's a diamond necklace. Here's, I got a story for you. Here's a fake diamond necklace. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Just some marbles. Just fucking spill. <laughs> marbles. Anything that glints. You could do it that way, too. You could use that for silver records. That'd be cool. But, I mean, it's, it's you bring a, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Farrah grant, because, I mean, there are some accounts of Farrah in oh. the silver record, but ultimately it is a, it's a Garu history. Right. So it's always been presented through the lens of the Garu. So how many of the other Farrah stories are they interested in? Well, I mean, there's no way... To know for sure. Yeah, we can't quantify any of that shit. No, I know. That was but, kind of the point of bringing the question up. But, you know, obviously, I mean, there's there's tales from the times of War of Rage. Certainly there, there are examples of, because, yeah, again, because of the nature of the Silver Record, uh, except in, like, Boise, I don't know why I'm choosing, but except in Boise might have the an old get who retired, who's running a, a sept position there that used to run in the Amazon or something, mm-hmm. and he has a story about some Bastet. Okay. Which are held by the Galliards there, which creeps into their copy, if you will, of the Silver Record. So not everyone's going to have that story, right? You know, it's not like uh, it's not like you're going on to the SilverRecord.com. Mm. Sure, Glasswalkers don't have that going on. I doubt that. I mean, there's GW.net, so maybe right. They might have. <laughs> a, they might have a little side section. They could. <laughs> But, you know, your average guy wasn't going to have, uh, you know, fucking silver record creepypasta, is my point. Nice reference. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, know, so you also have to think about that Worm Takes Last. He has a bunch of scrolls and, and information squirreled away. Like, he doesn't carry the entire silver record with him everywhere he goes. It's was, just too was, much yeah, to carry. I was going to ask that. Is he secretly hiding these, and he's the only one that knows the locations? Like, how's that working out? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, I mean, certainly safe houses, for lack of a better term. That's exactly what I was thinking. He's probably storing them, different safe houses, different places he's been. Maybe he only knows about, which is dangerous in of itself. But right, if you like follow the pro- time, but if you follow the prophecy, he's like the final war keeper anyway. So it's not like anyone's going to pick it up after he goes. I don't know. I mean, unless he feels like picking up a young cub to train, possibly very easily. But which again would, and that's the thing. It kind of spoils the broth. This is, um, this is a problem I have with the idea of moving werewolf to more modern days. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you guys know how I feel I keep it set in the 90s in the first place, but there was such a ticking clock over Werewolf the Apocalypse, that, like, more so than any other game, that the longer this goes on without happening, the more it kind of cheapens everything that came before it. So, like, if Worm Takes Last takes on an apprentice, he's no longer Worm Takes Last. He's Worm Takes Somewhat Before Last. Mm-hmm. He's no longer the final record keeper. That cheapens his position in the world. Well, say he doesn't, but somebody just takes up his mantle anyway. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that could happen and probably should, but 
now we're we're screwing with the prophecy and some of the mystical elements of the game, and it gets kind of wishy-washy for me. I get it. Where else are you going to keep the history going, especially if the game's going to keep going? Right, but you can keep the game, maybe keep the game going, but don't keep the clock running. Yes, I get it. I like it. I just, I just think of this guy's silver record might be a little different than that guy's silver record kind of thing, because he doesn't have all the same stories. Right. It's so like the true silver record, if you want to put a fucking quotes around it, mm-hmm. you can't quantify it. It's, it's everywhere. It's everything. There isn't a one version, you know, right. except what Worm Takes Last is trying to do. So not everyone has access to it, though. And that's what's crazy to me. All you can do is spread the stories as best as you can. The various versions and try to find the, the meaning in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, and it, because it's, it's also, it's not like a history book. It's not like on this day, at this time, you know, this guarded was awesome. It's meant to teach lessons and honor and wisdom. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a collection of experiences. It's, it's a, a, a look to the past. And yeah, they're embellished. But <laughs> the point of the story is more important than, I mean, that's human thinking. Of the time X and, you know, time in place and here's what actually happened. Well, it's not so much important is the lesson, is the feeling, is the experience. And I think that's kind of the whole purpose of the episode at that point. Is because we're not talking about the silver record of the book. We're talking about the silver record, the meaning behind the part of the game. Because of their lessons. It's true. I mean, uh, to pull a quote, another quote from the source book. Okay. And I like this one too. It's got a, the silver record. It's got a reputation. That in some ways outstrips the deeds contained within. Some consider it a Bible, others a fable, and still others an Academy Award for killing people. But the true silver record is none of these things. Rather, it's a combination of history, behavior guide, family album, and gospel. It's a roadmap of our people and an account of where we've been. That's heavy. I love it. And then I think it perfectly states just how important the record can be. Very much. Kind of bumps me out that like not everyone's gonna know what all is in there, but how else do you do that? How else do you put all of that in everybody's head? And that's the thing. I mean, how do you? Is that it's not even possible, right? I mean, even with the rights that they've that they've used to, you know, get the civil record to be the way it is, and the glyphs to kind of be able to basically imprint the story into your head as you read them. I mean, you, you'd have, they'd have to physically take the civil record around to every single member of the group nation to read it that way, because it's not like, you know, like he was saying, they, don't, they can't just look it up on the internet and then assimilate it. And then if it's in glyph form, they can't really read it like that anyway. It's not traditionally written, so it has to be conveyed through the spiritual essence of the glyphs. So if you're not actually there, it doesn't matter. And how it's conveyed from one guru to another could be a little different, could be a lot mm-hmm. different. One giant game of telephone. Yes. Yeah. It just comes back down to it's still fucking telephone. More often than not, it's not. The exact details are less important. I and, could argue that. Like Croatan sacrifice. Okay. But I mean, what's, what's the worthier part there? That the tribe came together as one to nobly sacrifice themselves for the greater good to stop the eater of souls from destroying everything. Or that runs through the sand, was here at noon... And, you know, he brought chicken cordon bleu for everybody. And then he helped coordinate the dance that was used for the ritual. Like, which one's more important? I get what you're saying. I was hoping you have somewhat of an argument for it. <laughs> or he just, just bat you down right he away. He bat me down right away. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, nope. It was, it was, I mean, it, was it goes back to, like, bleu. how the Mokalee 
use meniscus. I mean, they don't, it's the memory, but they don't memorize every minute detail of an event. Like, you don't have the Mokulay that are remembering the time of the Dragon Kings, remembering that they ate that nice shiny fruit off the tree and it tasted sweet. They remember the big-ass rock coming down from the sky and wiping them out. I remember that when we did the, the fair episode and I was looking up on the Manesis and what they're doing because all they do is see glimpses of those stories. So how they perceive it could be different from even another Mokulay. Right. And the reality of the situation as well. Yeah, it could be totally different from any of it. Oh, they just saw these glimpses, but that's not really what happened. So the Silver Wreck is going to fall underneath the same type of uh, restrictions and, and constraints. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's something the, the Nemesis uh, we, we will get into during our Tammy T-Rex episode. So go back to the Nicole. <laughs> I couldn't help myself, I'm sorry. Well done. Not the fair he had a hot take on. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't mean I don't remember shit. It was, it was a really hot take, too. It was too. very... See, the fact that I had the hot take makes people remember it? Screw you. Fair. We had a couple people say they specifically aren't listening to the show anymore because of that hot take. Did we really? Yeah. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> Some random guy who happens to be on a podcast doesn't like your favorite Pharaoh. <laughs> okay. It's, that's a lot of our criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Not yours specifically. I know, but it's ridiculous. Sorry, my opinion's not the same as yours. We're just having fun. Sorry, I love the Mokalei, even if you don't like them. So, see, so we got some love for the dinosaurs somewhere in our, our extended family here. Again, it was more of I didn't like what they did with them because dinosaurs are fucking cool. I like that history part of them. It's like that's. And see, for me, and, and, and this is, you know, in keeping with us that we're going to stay so tightly on topic. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Is, is that I don't like dinosaurs. And that's my problem with them, is, is, is where crocodiles or where gators, I thought they were super cool. I get it. And then, like, now they're kaiju, and I'm not into it. <laughs> that was partially reason I didn't like them either, but, again... It's but they, they'll, they'll get their due in a fair shake at a later episode this season, probably. Probably. Either way, yeah. it's future we'll problems. we got a lot of stuff down the road. Yeah, we do. But future yeah. problems. Don't worry, yeah. folks. They'll get their fair shake. Maybe another hot take, too. Yeah. So the Silver yeah, Record. record. <laughs> Much like Menezes and how it's perceived differently from somebody different compared to each and every time. I just think Maybe sometimes there should be more there. And, and sometimes some of these stories should be passed down that aren't. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I think you guys know, I'm a big fan of the idea of, of hidden lore or a truth behind a story. Yes. For example, you know, the idea of the War of Rage as we know it, if perhaps there were like a more savage version of that <laughs> that we didn't know about, that for some reason is being hidden, is being obfuscated from the Gaur Nation or from... The world as a whole. Yeah, sure. And, it, and it's a dot connect that I have in my brain made that is not related to Savage Age. But, you know, I like the idea of Savage Age being canon. So at my table it is. But it also isn't. Because it, it, the, the question becomes... One, six, seven, right, yeah. the question becomes, what the fuck happened during my fictional Savage Age continuity mm -hmm. that has caused the, the need for this cover-up? 
I, I don't know what did happen. I don't know either. I'm you just still, like having the, I the like that thought idea. there. Look, we haven't played a game since Savage Age was a thing in our world. Holy shit, yeah. yeah <laughs> You've got that. a point yeah. on that one. So I have time to figure it out. <laughs> Why haven't you figured it out yet, for? But Grant, what do you think about that? What do you think about where I'm going I, with that? I mean, that's that sounds pretty freaking awesome, honestly, because you can go in so many different directions. Um, like every time we speak about it, we actually have an episode. There's there's so much untapped potential that we've tried to engineer with Savage Age and give so many ideas to random storytellers to kind of explain this, that, or the other to uh, you know articulate whatever you wanted at your own table. So I'm definitely interested in seeing what parts of the Savage Age that you've basically calcified uh, into your actual table canon and see what you kind of gloss over or ignore. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I think that's just going to be fantastic. Especially how much love you have for the grinder. I think that's going to be great. <laughs> but I mean, but there you go. You know, that idea of maybe bridging that gap, bridging that gap. Yeah. And again, like what, why is it a secret? Cause we did something wrong or someone did something wrong. I didn't necessarily, in fact, I'd rather it not be the guy for a change. That would be nice. <laughs> they get blamed for a lot of shit because they win. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> you ain't kidding. You know, it's like, oh, the guy, the guy were monsters because of the war of rage. They didn't, People fought back. This was on both sides. <laughs> they just because just they win doesn't make them the bad guys. So I think that the most awesome potential that you could have with that, in line with the Silver Record and the Tales of the Gru, that they've kind of had a string go along the entire uh, second and third edition, is if you look at the Tales of the Gru for all the changing breeds, you have Old Man Miniskins, or Laughing Miniskins, is what he was known back in the Wild West. He's kind of ferreting out these secrets of the changing breeds, and he alludes that the Noesha kind of have a hidden history of not only the Guru Nation, but all of the different changing breeds. You could really take that angle and look at the Coyote Kin, which for the Savage Age, not out yet, but we are working on it probably next year sometime. See what the, the Coyotes have actually figured out back then and see what that type of connections. And that would draw a massive parallel between the modern era, the Silver Record and the Tales of the Guru, and then Savage Age as well. Oh, I absolutely see I, it that I, way. I like that idea. I like that. I mean, I know this isn't really what we're, but fuck it, we're doing it. Yeah, I, it's there now. Yeah, yeah I can see it's already, it's too late. I love that idea that maybe whatever the thing was, it was, it was the Noish's fault. <laughs> or maybe Coyote it? specifically. Oh, and they're the ones responsible for hiding it. I mean, there's there's gotta be a it is a breed, they're certainly clever enough. That, I mean, there has to be a reason that Luna did not give full auspice. Uh, spectrum to the coyote kin or the Nagalu, the direwolves in Savage Age. So there's a potential story there. Could answer why there can only be a hundred of them. Could be related to. I mean, what if what if it's the delicious fault? <laughs> or a coyote. It could specifically be coyote. Yeah. And I. So the silver record. <laughs> well, see, I'm taking this as you know, the war rage is happening, right? And. Some are trying to cover up those secrets. What if the War of Rage was taking so much precedence that others couldn't have time to keep those secrets or to get that lore down or to keep the history going? Well, I think it's certainly true that a lot of knowledge would be lost to casualties of war. Right. But I think I think whatever the event would be, this is so not the episode. <laughs> but we can make it, though. But, but, no, we've, this is already a Silver Record episode. I know. We're going back to it. I swear to God, guys, we're going to go back to it. But that's my point. We're going to take another couple minutes here. Maybe that person was trying to get that information to the silver record, but 
casualties of war. I mean, I mean certainly. But, I mean, it's the dot connect he's trying to make, but yes. Yeah, you know, we're just going to take it and move on, because I could spend another 20 minutes <laughs> on know. this particular thing. Yeah, this is a good speculation. Right? We should have we, an episode on this. We're going to. We're going to go back to it. <laughs> so, so, the shit. so the Savage Age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you heard of that one yet, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, we're going to do, do a big Savage Age speculation episode like soon now, because I'm really into that. Yeah, Sweet. me too. Grant, you want to come back for that one? Yeah, I mean, sure, definitely. I mean, as long as it's open to my schedule, I'm, I'm game. Well, if not, we'll just get Kaysen. That works, too. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Get them both. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. We'll call it a dance party. We get all the Chris's in here. <laughs> <laughs> the Chris dance off. And when you say this, to weaponized ink, RAI roundtable day. That would be fun. Right? <laughs> That'd be a chaotic. Be a long episode. <laughs> yeah. Prepare for like a four hour motherfucker on that one. Jesus. Make sure you bring your dictionary. <laughs> mm. I'm going to need it. It'll be a lot of big words. Bring in an air horn for you guys get too geeky. <laughs> <laughs> that ends up being 20 minutes of the episode. It's just air horn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And me and Casey start talking about, you know, savage age and science and archaeology and. It's just going to devolve into craziness. Yeah, you can get, see, you get, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. You can have science to blow out the air horn. More specifically to wake up Dan. But back back to the actual subject at hand. Yes. This, right, this right. has been a lot of fun, and oh my God, we're going to go back to it in a oh, different yeah, episode. Definitely. But back to it. We do, we talk about the, let's talk about the type of stories and, and applications of the silver record. I mean, obviously, pulling a couple chestnuts out for a moot is a good idea. And... From a storyteller perspective, from an actually forming the shit, you do. You have the legends of the Garu stories in, in the front of every damn book. Right. And they're not all great. They're not all they're not all appropriate. You have something like um like the story Falling Down, for example, which was in the front of the Fianna book. Uh Fianna Tribe Book 2, the revised one. Okay. And it's a story, it's a good story. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to remember that one specifically. Well, it focuses on uh, family life and death. It's a story that takes place before a battle and then after a battle and, and how we honor, how the Fianna honor their dead and their casualties. Okay, I'm remembering that one, yeah. I like that one a lot. That it's a, it's a really good story, but I don't think it's a silver record appropriate story. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I tend to disagree when it comes to those. All right, um, what you got? So, and, and here's the reason why. So, yeah, I, I totally concur that most of the stories um, in the silver record should be overall stories for the Guru Nation at whole. But when it comes to certain ones like that, that kind of really uh, succinctly articulate what a tribe is all about and it's like the spirit and feel of the tribe, I think it should be included in the Silver Record. Especially if you think in game, you know, you have uh, Worm Takes Last, he's going around to the various seps and things like that. He's going to have to pick and choose his audience a little bit, the stories he's going to use. So he's not going to read the entire Silver Record every single cairn he goes to. He's going to be like, okay, I'm at a Fiona Cairn. How do I start getting these guys' attention? How do I bridge this gap? Well, here, I'm going to take this story of the Fiona that they can take pride in that makes them feel all warm and gushy, and then we can go on into the more important things. I, see, I agree with you. I just think that this particular story isn't appropriate, just on, just on the grounds of how the story itself is. Yeah, I'm very specific. Because I do agree. And even an idea of a story that focuses on family life and death and 
has a place in the record. Especially being this, important to Fianna themselves. Right, but this particular story, here's the thing before the battle, and it's I'm super Cliff's notes here. And here you introduce, here's the pack, and we're going off to battle the next day, and then he's the one who comes back, and he's the only one. And it's really the, the interaction between him and his uncle about, no, you, you drink to the fallen and here's why. But it, it's so individually specific. The battle isn't even really relevant. It, it's just the aftermath and how he personally dealt with it. it it's overly specific that I, I don't think it belongs in there because it's not like, here's the great deed he did or whatever. It just focuses predominantly on, on the conversations between the him. one single right. person. Yeah. One single I, just, I just think it's too narrow in scale, but that I think there's room for that type of story, certainly. Yeah, because there's good lessons in that. I agree. It's just, yeah, it is too narrow. Yeah, make it more about what the pack did and the entire sept and, and how they handled it rather than this one single cub. Right, like, like there are other versions that get that message across in a more, uh, in a broader way. Broad. You know, for, uh, you know, for a greater audience. I agree. And yes, I see why Grant would say yes, that's important for it to be, but I think it's only important if you're doing it the broader version. Good way to describe sense. the tribe. The way they handle everything. No, sure. Like, I agree on all counts. I just think it's this specific story I have issue with. And again, I don't have issue with I like the story. It's a good story. I, I really like the story, just not in the context of being in the Silver Record. I, I remember. It was like more celebrating his life rather than mourning the death. Which is great. Yeah. Look at all the fucking cool shit that guy did. We, we got a page count here. <laughs> <laughs> only have so many skins to write on. Right? Like, there's only so, there's only so many spirals. Mm. <laughs> you think they grow on trees? No, that's paper, stupid. Get it together. Growing pits. <laughs> paper grows on trees. Okay. <laughs> I know what I said. Yeah. Well, I also think maybe even some of the spirals who were galliards and were holding on to stories for Silver Record and maybe got changed, converted, whatever you want to call it. Oh, imagine those ramifications. That's, you have a yeah. galliard fell, and then he twisted his story to make it seem like the worm is a good guy. Well, and then it becomes propaganda. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you. Well, now, and, and let's, let's, I'm going to take that, mm-hmm. but let's bump this up a notch. Yeah, the galliard fell. He's got this extensive knowledge of the record. But what does he do? He gets himself a Bane tattoo or a Bane mask or one of these things that masks his fucking worm taint. And he goes back to the nation as a sleeper. To twist those silver record stories and teach the wrong lessons. That for- makes too much sense in how well that could happen. <laughs> right? Like, forget keeping him in the hive to preach. Mm-hmm. Now send him back to the children in Gaia. Give him fetish to mask the worm taint. And there's precedence for it mm-hmm. all over the place. Where he could sit there and spin the, the guy in gospel through the eyes of the worm and fuck up a whole generation of Garu. Yeah. I mean, you have that one story in the silver record where they're talking about the silver fang that kind of sparked the, the War of Rage, kind of like got the, the flood of Scarlet Sorrow started, right? He basically was in front of everybody, he raised the cry, he held up the skulls of his slaughtered enemies, he read the names of the other breeds, and then like wet his claws in his own bloody chest, and then repeated it again. You know, it's this massive call to war, morale-boosting type speech. Maybe the reality of it was that he did all this, and then everyone else around him, seeing the shame, and the pride, and the horror in what he had done, and it could have went in a different direction. But instead, you have this fallen galliard going around, spewing out this twisted form of the tale. So instead of them seeing that, hey, this is something we should learn from, and not following these uh, footsteps of pride and 
and uh, make these same mistakes. Instead, it sees this big thing that's like, oh, yeah, we should be, be prideful of the silver thing, taking front and center and being a good general and call to war. It's a regular Craig or Wormfo. Is yes. that the silver record? It is a silver record, yeah. No Craig or Wormfo in the Death Bear, is he? Oh, no, uh, I don't think so. But see, it could be. It could, could be, be in someone's version. I know in... in um, someone's version, right. In the Legends of the Garo, it wasn't a very popular story. Yeah, it's, it's kind of looked down upon. It was a little controversial when it was told in the contents of that mm-hmm. Legends of the Garu, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not in there. But look you how know, important un- it is. Hard, <laughs> hard truths. Right. Or maybe it's not true, but probably, because it wasn't very well received, people weren't happy to hear it, probably true. Doesn't make the Garu look good, don't tell it at the moat, no one's happy. Right. Probably true. All the more reason it should be in there then. Right. I mean, there's other stories, like uh, I, I think of, it, this was from the Get Book, was the, uh, the tale of Uli Brightjaws. Who, I don't a, remember this one. And again, super paraphrasing, because not a book report. Right. You know, who went wandering, who, who felt a deep, felt unworthy. Oh, okay, I and, do remember this yeah, one, never mind. You know, and he, he was searching out his, his weakness. Yeah. This was a big deal, and he, he went on this quest and came face to face with Fenris, who ripped his fucking heart out. Yep spat it on the ground and said, that's your weakness, is your self-doubt. Fuck you. You doubt me? I said you're a Getafenris. You're doubting me? No, I remember that one specifically. I love that one because he kept going on and looking. I am not strong enough. I am not strong enough. I need, what do I need to do to become strong enough? And he keeps looking and finally goes to Fenris and he goes, all right, fine, you're not strong enough. Boom. <laughs> it's, as you read it, the ending of the story is not what you fucking un- would Expect. Ever guess. Yeah, expect either. Yeah, you wouldn't it's, it's guess worth, that. It's worth the read, but I mean, I think that's a good example uh, in contrasting with the Fiano one where it's, it teaches a lesson in that there's a moral to that story mm-hmm. and something to grab onto, which is, so I think that should be in the record. Now that, yeah, it, it just took Better me a such second. an ass. <laughs> he was teaching a lesson. He definitely taught a lesson. The wow. weakness was within his heart. Yeah, I just... It took me a second to realize which story you're talking about when you said Bright Jaws. But yeah, that one, it's like, he rips his heart right out of his chest. Like, what How does the that fuck? lesson get told if he gets killed, though? Who said he got killed? I mean, if he rips his heart out of his chest. <laughs> Maybe he was living long enough to Look, tell the story. It's not a book report. It's in the get book. You know where to find it. Legends, man. It gets passed down. I guess Fenner told the story. <laughs> Maybe. It's in the book. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I definitely agree that most of the stories in the Civil Record should have some type of moral or some type of purpose behind them being spread. I mean, I see it as basically the Aesop's fables of the Guru Nation. That's how I normally treat the Civil Record in game. No, I'm with you there. And I mean, you know, it was like, like they quoted it earlier. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a roadmap for the people, but it's so that, that means that there's room for stories that aren't necessarily is on the nose with a lesson, but it's a story that needs to be worth telling. You're not going to hear, you certainly shouldn't, okay? There shouldn't be an, uh, a record or an entry in the silver record of the time that Gree Hunts the Hunted bought some laundry detergent. <laughs> or, or the time that Mother Larissa made some kick-ass flapjacks. That, there's no point to that story. Like, it doesn't have to be world-changing here. But why did you just talk for ten minutes? There, had, there should be a point. But then you look at other... I want to say meta characters, mm-hmm. and 
especially the higher rank ones, or maybe even the ones who are just that known. And maybe some of those stories should be in Silver Record. Rather than... I don't think Mother Larissa's flapjack recipe needs to be in the Silver Record. I, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. But maybe how she got all of some people to, to rally together to... Eat some flapjacks? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm... Fine. Maybe how her words just rallied all of her people together to defend whatever area. I'm just, I'm thinking of shit off the top of my head here, but... Well, well certainly, and, and I'm, I'm going to back you up here, believe it or not. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. It's about time. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Well, I mean, certainly, there are rank six Garo out there. And they don't have to necessarily be rank six, but names that are that big. Mm-hmm. That, obviously, they, they deserve their time in the sun. Yes. Yeah. They've earned that position, and there are reasons why they've done it. There are stories out there that need to be told that should be passed down because of that. Absolutely. Again, not everything. No. As much as I think the Margrave is a bad... As much as the Margrave is a bad... It's not I mean, It's just a fact. As great as the Margrave <laughs> is, European coalition, dude, it's... it's His track record speaks for itself. Hmm. But as, as great as he is, we don't need the story about how awesome he, you know, it is that he took a dump once. That's where you went with that. Figuratively and, and literally, actually. Because I'm sure there are some galliards out there who have written a story about how his shit doesn't stink. See what I did there? <laughs> Just wow. Just wow. Yeah, I set that up. I'm with you on that too, Grant. Just wow. You're welcome. How long have you been holding on to that? I just did it. You know how long. You just saw it. <laughs> so here's what I would really like to see in a game, in a chronicle when it comes to Silver Record. You have Worm Takes Last, right? And then you have, on the, the flip side of the, the whole equation, you have the Chronicles of the Black Labyrinth. And, you know, the Black Spirals, they have their own galliards and their own board keepers. I would be interested in seeing what Worm Takes Last would do with the information if he happened to come across a copy of the Chronicles of the Black Labyrinth. Or vice versa. You know, how would they twist or purify those books for the others? To add to that, too, we're giving alternate pathing on that. Because you have the Chronicle of the Black Labyrinth. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We, we've talked about that recently. <laughs> no, I know you know that. But, you know, so it's gotten some, some reference recently. Um, and we'll have an episode on it in the future as well, because it's a big deal book. But not only that, the idea of the hunt for a final copy that's in the world, but the spiral equivalent to the Silver Record. Which is not the same as the Black Labyrinth, let's be clear. No, I know what you mean. But, and we don't even know that they have one, but certainly they have one. They're Garu. Yeah, they have, they have some kind of lore behind them. They have to. So, what's it called, though? Whatever you want to at that point. The no Green Record. The Green <laughs> The Tome of the Corruptor. The... We, we have, to, have to think the Black Spirals think that they, they're correct. They right. don't see themselves as the bad guys. Oh, they're the right? heroes of their own story. It is every you know, good villain. So it's going to be, the, their book is going to be like their own, this is why it is, this is why we're right, this is why we are true, this is why our path is the right path, and why theirs is wrong. Absolutely. I mean, it would just be, again, it would probably be akin to the Silver Record, just from their side, their stories. I don't know if I would call it, you know, what, what you would call it, but I think that's immaterial. Yeah, I don't know, I get it. You it's know? not... Important, what they'd call it. Just know it exists. I would call the story or chronicle etched in Balefire. Ooh. I like that. 
right? That just came to me. It's like, oh no, I want to, I want to say that out loud. <laughs> no, you do have a name for it. I think I do. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, Song of the name, obviously. Anything etched in, I'm going to be a big fan of. You know? oh, yeah, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's where that came from. Oops, sorry, Grant. <laughs> There's a prime example of how uh, Inspirato can accidentally have you ape a thing. <laughs> not intentional. No, of course not. But we talk about, you know, the different sources. We have all those legends of the guy. We, we also have source books out there, and, and uh, not even source books, but novels you can lean into. I mean, I haven't read them, so I can't. The, the tribal novels leading into the apocalypse, the official canon apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't read them. I couldn't get my hands on them in the day, and it's like there's a point where it's too late now, and I'm not going to run that anyway. But there are other novels. You've got When Will You Rage, you know, which was a collection of, of short stories that came out of uh, the first edition era. So there's some wonkiness here and there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yep. But it's still, yeah, it, it's some good stories in there, and, and I think chief among them, and it's not just one story, but peppered through that book is the formation of the Coyote Full Moon Pack who I don't think ever did anything again, which is a bummer, because it was really interesting how these different Garu were being chosen, and, and were, you know, it was like the origin story. It was almost like uh, like the fucking MCU of Werewolf beforehand. <laughs> you know, you got, like, the origin stories of these cubs coming in and how, like, oh, they're destined for the Coyote Full Moon Pack, and then, like, we never fucking hear about it again. It's like, I want to hear about the Coyote Full Moon Pack. <laughs> Continue those be, stories. Maybe that should be the solar record. <laughs> I, if it's important enough that they're calling it, they're naming it before they're formed, yes, it should be in the silver record, and I want to hear more about those stories. I want to hear why they were formed. Exactly. We never... Yeah, but there's no mention of Like, if it's another book somewhere, please tell me, because I don't recall ever seeing anything about the Coyote Full Moon Pack again outside of When We Rage. Sad. That's a cool one. That'd be cool to hear. Or if, <laughs> if, if no one's heard of it, and because it doesn't exist, and someone's written it, I'd love to hear that too, please. That'd be neat. So, here's another story, and I guess, because this one comes from the Rage cards. Oh, okay. Right? There's a, there's a few different Rage cards that really, at least I don't know of, and I know you don't know of, but you have all the books, so you would think. But with the Rage card, the Bones of Shakraheim. Bones of Shakraheim. Love it. Grant, do you know of any of the other books that have that in there? Or is it uh, just a Rage card exclusive? So, I think a lot of that Rage card stuff, I mean, it, it, outside of the Warriors of the Apocalypse book, which was kind of like a, a companion book to the Rage game, mm-hmm. um, or, or rather standalone. Uh, they were really trying to get Rage to kind of come into its own and stand up and, and be its sort of its own thing, but not really its own thing. So, they are canon. Everything in the Rage cards are canon, technically. Right. Um, unless there's a distinct conflict, and then if there's a conflict, I think the tabletop trumps Rage. I'd agree with that. Which there shouldn't be that many of them. If, it, if it's in Rage, it's, and it's brought up in Rage as being like, hey, this happened at this point in time, it's pretty much guaranteed to be a Rage-only thing unless it, the book comes out afterwards, which there's not too many that really come out after Rage really got going and dropped off. You know, there's only a small window that, that it was actually real active. A couple years. Which is unfortunate. I was, I, was, yeah. I was hip to that when it was going on. I mean, it, it just didn't have the, the, the opportunity to really close that circle. 1999 was a, was a crazy year. Things just happened really quick for White Wolf at that time. That was completely understandable. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, and again, I think the Bones of Shekhar Hind is, um, for those of you who don't know, it is a rage card. It was a fetish 
they tried to make Werewolf the card game. So you have you have your gift cards, Blur the Milky Eyes a card, you know, all of that stuff. But the Bones of Shekarhind was was a card that allowed you to take control of worm creatures. And and essentially, you know, I'm going to attack your character. Well, no, here's the Bones of Shekarhind. I'm going to pull this Nexus Crawler out to fight in my stead. And it was like a one card, it was one per game kind of thing. Like it says in the damn card. It's that strong, yeah. Like it's it's in that deck right over there. And if the rage cards are canon... Well, in I can decide that they're canon. Right. But, yeah, it doesn't appear anywhere that we in know the of. books that we know of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's possible it's put in a book that I have skimmed through and didn't catch it, but I don't believe it. They're lost I'm in gonna, the abyss, yeah. so or somewhere, found them. Yeah. Or somewhere else, but what I had done is I had attached a history to this fetish. You know, I created the legend of Shakar Hind, the, the Bane Tender, this powerful Thurge who, who got so good, was so good with spirits. So this is became... meta, I thought. No, this isn't meta. Oh, man, I no. thought this was. No. The card itself, again, is, is canon because it's the, in the Rage game. Alleged, yeah. In, that's it. That's it. So I created Shakar Hind, and, you know, she got so powerful that she could even command worm spirits would do her bidding. And then through that, she too got corrupted, but so powerful that when she died, her bones itself held power. That beca- those became fetishes for the worm, and maybe some guys would get a hand, but then ultimately get corrupted. So they ended up having to f- track down her bones and destroy them all. And what's left is is the hand bones on like a series of rings, like a like a chime, like a like a wind chime, if you will. Which I think that's the picture of the card. Well, yeah, which is the picture on the card. I can go through the. The deck very quick and look for it, but it's not necessary but, but right this, now. They can't see it, so right? You know, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so now that's this legendary lost fetish that if you hold it, you can control. It just as the card said, you can control worm spirits. They're just at your command, like puppets. I thought that was meta. It, it is for us. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's borders on head cannon. It's our game. Well, he it's spun it so good. I thought it was meta. I thought it was part of. The, I thought it was. <laughs> Don't thank you. But I mean, that's something that would go in the silver record. Oh, for sure. She cries ice in the Narthalus. Y- yes, that, but the Bones of Shaka yeah, Hyman, would it be so in the silver record? Maybe they're afraid to put it in the silver record because they're afraid some other Garu would go look for it and be just too focused on that. No, you've even take... it as a cautionary tale about getting too close to the worm and too arrogant in your practices as a Thurge. Well, I, I agree with too that. close just... to the sun. That's an Icarus tale. I, I agree. I'm just throwing the devil's advocate side of it out. And no, I, I, I get that, but <laughs> you're squaring up. We're going to go. <laughs> I mean, we got skin dancers for a reason. So. Yeah, I mean, that type of fetish, if it was actually in the tabletop RPG, would, would be a, a very high-level fetish. And, I mean, if it's a fetish that's that powerful, any fetish that the creation of the story behind it may or may not you know, have a good argument to be included in the civil record for how it became a fetish. Absolutely right. Yeah, that, that was my exact point of bringing it up. I mean, at that point, it's like a legendary thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Hammer and Clave in there. They tell stories about the first Clave, which I hate, by the way. But <laughs> not the book, the first Clave now. I know what you mean, yeah. You know, oh, it's like a little stick with a little silver nub, but it can make Gaia go Super Saiyan and swallow the Earth if you want it to. None of that's actual audio. Tom's a little confused. Yeah, Tom, I just broke Tom's head for a second. None of that, it doesn't say that in the okay. book. Okay. But it gives examples of super over-the-top stuff that Clave could potentially do. It's like, well, maybe yeah. it just was a shitty little silver knife. Maybe Which it's not blade? Excalibur. 
Yeah, so the first clave actually would have been Flint anyway. Um, I really like the fact that the Glasswalkers, like they, they think that the, the story itself is just a parable, uh, even though there's a lot of other tribes that think that the sword is still actually out there and, and can exist. So I think the story of the first clave is really useful for the silver, fa- or silver record, excuse me, but it, it kind of creates this MacGuffin for these packs and tribes to be going after, like, oh, we find this mythical sword, we're going to automatically win the Apocalypse War. So I think it's kind of a red herring in the silver record as well. No, I, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, that's kind of that's what I'm talking, the same with the bones of Shakar Hind. Right. Do they exist or not? Mm. Was there truth to it? I mean, because it's all my canon at that point. I made the fucking legend up. Right. Yeah, it was true. Do the bones still exist? Well. Yeah, no. <laughs> in the abyss. The, the, but again, the MacGuffin's more important, just like the first clave. My issue there isn't with the legend or being in the silver record. It's the practical application of it is some sort of super Excalibur win-the-day sword, and that's silly. Win-the-day. You know, whether, whether it's Duke or Flint or Lady J. The three Bs. The three Bs. <laughs> but that's the first clip again, you know, because Red Herring Story, it's, it's a great thing. You look at some of the other novels out there, like Breathe Deeply. I absolutely love Breathe Deeply. I don't know how that looks as a story in the silver record, but I absolutely love that story. And uh, if, if you guys get a chance to read that book, absolutely read. It's a quick read. You'll get through it quick. You know, deals with uh, Roshan one arm and the one arm pack. The Who's one arm to- pack. Yeah, he's a Roshan's a total badass. He is my favorite Silver Fang. And I just said I have a favorite Silver Fang. Oh, I heard. Oh. So, take so does that. the entire pack only have one arm? That would be Each. very <laughs> weird. I mean, <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> and I'll form the head. <laughs> so it's it's ironic that you brought up that novel because that novel is like the tie-in novel between like the actual tabletop and then the rage game. Yeah, most you know, you if have, not all of that pack is in the rage cards. Yeah, that's the tie-in between the two games, and, and then the companion for the tabletop RPG for for that you know I think it's like second or third at that point is Rage Across the Amazon. Rage Across the Amazon is meant to be read along with Breathe Deeply. I can see that for sure. I mean, most of it takes place in the Amazon. But there are things like that. You know, when you talk about Rage Across the Amazon, of course there, there would be tales of the War of the Amazon, which again would link back to involving tales of other Farah too, because that makes that easier. And because there is the Ahandi, and we know that... I mean, that's not the War of the Amazon, but yes, that's another well, great I'm, example. Another of, example, Yeah, yes. another great example of places where it's, it's clear that there should be Farah involved in some of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about you know, the, the conflict in Chicago which I know was brought up in our Discord somewhat recently at the time mm-hmm. of this recording. Okay. <laughs> Not at the time of the airing. Gotcha. And, I, and I, I wish I could remember who it was because they were talking about more information in the Chicago conflict, and I completely forgot that Under a Blood Red Moon was a book. But I didn't, I, I completely forgot about it. And so he's at, they were, whoever it was was asking for more information, and it's like you should have pointed to the book. And I just forgot it existed completely until I started doing research for this episode. So, oops on that. But again, the Chicago conflict was kind of a big deal. Certainly it should be there. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's uh, Kaiju was the one that was talking about it. Because he's he's doing a chronicle based in, uh, or she, I don't know. I don't know who that person actually is. But anyway, they're they're doing a story in Chicago. And so they're asking about it. So I know me and Lyrics was talking about the fact that Chicago is really been hit from the vampire side of the house so that they could reference that as well but then yeah you're right you have under blood right now um and then a bunch of other tangential books for chicago 
Jesse, I don't know about the, I didn't know about the other ones, but I I have a copy of Under the Blood and Ruin the Shelf over there. Mm-hmm. Just but it's like one of those books like say Ways of the Wolf, where it comes up so rarely I just forgot it fucking existed. There's Ways of the Wolf I didn't though, because False Windigo is always in my heart. Not literally, but I, I love that. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> no, literally. I love the concept of False Windigo. He's he's literally in your heart. Is he? Yeah. Damn it. I gotta go to the doctor. Yeah, you might want to. <laughs> would False Windigo be in the silver record? I would like to say no, but yes. But yes. <laughs> I would like to say no on the grounds that... They don't know him? The more widely False Windigo is known about, the less successful False Windigo is, is a thing. There we go. <laughs> there has to be a tale of the False Windigo in the Silver Record somewhere. Making him be- because no like, longer viable. Right, it would be so rare to happen. Clearly there is a sep somewhere that has that story on tap mm-hmm. about the horror of False Windigo and not falling for that trap. But it's got to be like only one, because if it's not only one and it's everywhere, <laughs> it's never going to work again. That's awesome. But I was trying to bring that around earlier as far as some have their version of Silver Record mm-hmm. compared to others, and they don't have those same stories. It's kind of where I was trying to lead that into. I just didn't have a very good transition for it. Well, and then you could also <laughs> do the thing, you talk about different versions, is maybe there's a version of this tale of False Windigo where they didn't figure out what the fuck happened. It, Yep. So it's like, oh, you know, this is the story of uh, Larry, who just one day, his skin fucked off and he turned into an ice monster. It's crazy. You <laughs> didn't know what happened. Sorry, Larry. Yeah, moral of the story, keep your skin on, I guess. <laughs> keep your skin on. They just never figured it out. <laughs> keep your skin on, yep. I guess. Yep. <laughs> so I want to show my age here and... Uh, talk about a book that I always thought was kind of like a precursor to the Civil Record that almost every tale from it could be used uh, in-game as Civil Record tales was uh, Drums Around the Fire from Werewolf First Edition. Drums is um, a good book. It, yeah, I mean, every story in there is, it has some type of impact for the nation. You can just immediately use as something for the Civil Record. You know, it's, it's been a while since I cracked that book open. I was going to, but yesterday was very busy. Well, one of my favorite stories, and it's been many, many years since I've read it, so like I'm, I'm kind of calling you out on this one, but I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, wh- what about Apocalypse Noir? I, I am fairly uh. certain that book has zero larger, or that story has zero larger repercussions, but it also happens to be my favorite story from that book. Yeah, it's the one by Bill Bridges. So you're calling yourself out a little bit is what you're saying. <laughs> Sounds like a book I need to read right now. That's, it's, it's, yeah, Drones Around the Fire is awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got, and uh, we brought this up, I brought this up on our uh, White Howler episode, was Who's Who Among the Garu Nation, also Garu yeah. Saga. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, I don't know who chose to name the book, but I wish they would have rethought it. It's a very awkward title. But again, it's that book full of poems and stories detailing all the tribes. That's where the legend of Makma came from. Right. And again, everything in there could slash should be in the silver record. Maybe it was, but maybe it was, but obviously it was burned down. Could have been one of the houses that got burned down. It still can be. I mean, you know, that's the thing is there's no there's no line in the front of these books that says this is in the sober record or this isn't. That's true. We're we're just talking about what maybe should and what maybe shouldn't. You know, and again, Mother Larissa's flapjack recipe, which would probably be bomb. No, I think it'd be garbage. (laughs) Possibly, literally. 
No, it would probably Let's taste see. good to you, though. She uses, you know, right on it. Have have some, you know, some newspaper in there, a little cat litter, whatever <laughs> she found. You know, I don't, I don't want to eat that. Like pancakes. I also don't like pancakes. <laughs> that's true. So already, it's a disaster. So to, to really close the gap on on that, when it comes to your question about Apocalypse Noir and uh, the various stories in Drums on the Fire Engine. So Apocalypse Noir is, if I remember right, it's the story by Bill Bridges where the Silver Fang is searching for, or the pack is searching for a lost Silver Fang fetish of some kind that was taken or possessed by Pentex. If I was going to bring that into my game as a story in the Silver Record, I would really articulate the futility of searching for something that was lost when the utility of it is is minute. Kind of like a wild goose chase. Like Why, why am I going to really have my pack going as wild goose chase? with such a lower probability of success instead of having them do something more constructive like, hey, take back this kern that you know fell into becoming a hive or whatever. Well, I mean, and that's the, that's the thing. And again, I, I preface with I might be misremembering this because I haven't read that book in at least 10 years, just full disclosure. Um, it, was, it was the Silver Fang hiring what I believe was a bone gnar, may have been a glass walker private detective, I'm using my quotes there, <laughs> to, to, yeah, to retrieve this this great fetish, which just turned out to be like her favorite paperweight. Like, so it was absolutely nothing. It was absolutely nothing. She just, she liked that little trinket and it was stolen from her. So she sent this poor fucking guy through hell and back to get the thing he thought was some magical fetish that was just nothing. Oh my God. So for the civil record purposes, that would be like a story of warning of, hey, be smart, don't be a dumbass by getting people to, to waste resources for something that you just find sparkly and pretty I'll, I'll, i mean i'll take your point there I, I will offer on the other hand like how you want to be that guy like imagine that does it gets put in the silver record as a cautionary tale of don't be a dumbass and like now his name's attached to it <laughs> even though <laughs> he was just like lied to dumbass. Yeah, yeah, even though he was lied to though right you know, you know like he's the asshole now for doing the job right mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like the guard was rep it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> I think of stories, again, stuff that we don't 100% know the answers to, but like Vic Stryker. Love Vic Stryker. Lost the wolf, but eventually gains it back? Eventually, yeah, or just before his end. You but know, we don't know how. Active motherfucker in World War II, came back from Hirano. Right, That's, but, but we don't know how he got the wolf back and how he beat Hirano. Why wouldn't that be in the Silver Record? I mean, that's a good point, but at the same time, it's something that I feel like you can't put that in the Silver Record from a behind-the-scenes game mechanic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because you can't go, here's this tale of this really well-known uh, Silent Strider. Someone who makes Shoe Horus, <laughs> you know, look like he gives 0%. Shoehorned him in there. Just, yeah. I, I had to. <laughs> just just uh, like, a, like a total badass like Vic Stryker, right? So everyone... Quote, everyone knows who Vic Stryker is. Right. We should. That's a name that should carry. So if we had the story of how he beat Hirano, then everyone would be able to beat Hirano. We go back to that again. Okay. You know, and I, I kind of thought that way, but I just yeah. thought it was necessary to bring up. No, no, I get you. But, I mean, that's why we don't have that story, I think, from a mechanic standpoint, because then that takes that threat off the table permanently. It's like, oh, no, just drink some Gatorade. That's what Vic did. <laughs> <laughs> He stubbed his toe and got rage back. <laughs> had electrolytes, some dirt on it. He watched snakes on a plane. <laughs> the electrolytes. That's what planes crave. It's, it's, it's see. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but that's the thing is, no matter what the end, this is what this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Right now. 
So now this terrible thing is off the table. That's that's no good. From a game standpoint. No, I get it. It's, it, it was necessary to bring up. No, you're right. I'm on your side on this. Shit. <laughs> He's just I, shocked. Yeah, it's fair. And there's plenty of stories. And we talk about different angles and different perceptions. Right. You know, you even go into that source book and, like, there's different creation songs and stories. We know this story. Worm Weaver, Wild Guy. Great. There's, like, eight versions of that story. And there's more than that, really. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got a version of that shit. And I'm going to be the guy to bring this up. I thought Grant would have done this already. I'm very surprised at you, sir. Kane appears in the Silver Record. Oh, shit. He does. He does. I'm going to hand that to you, Grant, because I know that's more your wheelhouse, and it's going to feel weird coming out of my mouth. So, yeah, the, uh, it's actually towards the front of the Silver Record, where, and it's, it's one of the few times that Werewolf acknowledges a vampire beyond, oh, they're warm-tainted, go kill them, eat them now, is they have a whole story at the beginning where the, where the first man is, he, he pleads off to, he pleads to, to the weaver that, hey, I don't want to die. And so she basically calcifies his body, his form, and puts him in stasis so that his spirit can't get out. And when he starts to rot, then she doubles down and makes it so that his body and everything just doesn't rot. And the worm sees this and is kind of like, he's the worm of balance at the time. He's like, what the fuck is that? That's definitely not, shouldn't be there. And he eats Cain. At the time, they call it the Bloody Man. And in the Silver Record, that's what it's referred to. Well, this uh, Bloody Man, he's sitting there in the gullet of the worm. He can't die because the worm is, or the weaver has made him complete stat- completely static. So he can't die. He's just sitting there. So he's hungry. So what's he do? He starts feeding on the inside of the worm, biting and gnawing and, and um, drinking all the, all the ichor that's inside the worm. And eventually, the different tales vary, but the worm either vomits him back up or he basically chews his way out, depending on which source you're looking at. I can't remember which is which. And then Cain goes on about his business and does vampire type things. But this internal wound of the worm is one of the things that actually helps him be weak and susceptible to being trapped by the weaver. It's, and it's worth noting to add to it, in, in the silver record, he's vomited out. But he's also okay, cursed by the worm. Okay. To, because you are a corrupt thing, you can't have children on your own. You can only do it through corruption. Oh, okay. Like the, the vampire-y things. And then, you know, Helios gets involved. He goes, fuck you. Oh. Right. I'm going to burn you up if I see you again. There's going to be some fucking violence. Okay, so that's where mm. they, the sunlight... Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I get that. It's... it's Surprisingly neat, and I'm saying this about Draculas. It was just I'm shocked right now. I, mean, I guess yeah. about Dracula, the original, which is, I know what I did. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> as Grant's telling the story, I'm watching Tom's face, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like, a, I haven't heard this either, but I was like, oh, this is interesting, and then watching your facial expressions. It's a story I made a point to brush up on before, before we recorded. That's awesome. But again, I knew Grant. That's more your. So I was giving. I was getting getting you the spotlight on that one. Yeah, I, and I, I've drawn parallels and actually mentioned the tale of the bloody man in Enoch by Night. You know that I'm writing right now, uh, where that that's kind of an understood thing. And then if you have people or player characters or NPCs in the game for Enoch at the time, uh, and they go outside of the city, they may talk to kinfolk or whatever, and kind of hear, "Oh, you're living in the city of the bloody man," or whatever. Because there, there is some type of parallels to it. So I do mention it in Enoch by Night. And it's, it's an awesome story. 
And it's one of those things that you can draw parallels between the creation myths and vampire of who these people were. You know, in the vampire myth, he was cursed by God and cursed by the angels. So the angel of the light is the one that cursed him against the sun. As far as the werewolves see it, that's Helios. So there's a lot of parallels there that I found really, really interesting. That's really cool. And of course, that, that definitely deserves to be in the silver record. <laughs> it, it already is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's already in the book. It's yeah. like page 20. I said like, don't quote that. <laughs> it's in chapter one. Okay, it's close enough then. Close enough. Right. But I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's a great example of one. Albrecht's taking on the seventh generation. It, that's you know, a big deal. Yeah, that's in there. I mean, it's huge. Should be. Yeah. The, the silver crown. Yeah, I, I think kind of has to be. Right. But you know, and let's let's bring this uh, focus this back to a smaller scale, though. Okay. In terms of quote your pack, your players, your table. Right. When do you earn a spot in the silver record? And I know there's going to be some people that go, "Well, the rules say I don't care. The rules say <laughs> you get enough successes, and it's in there." And and when you when you go strictly by that, mm-hmm. that's how Mother Lisa's flapjack recipe gets in the. You see, you knew. Yep, I knew where you're going with that. <laughs> so I made these bomb ass flapjacks, right? Once but I got upon fourteen time. successes. So guess what? It's in there. Fuck you. That's right. <laughs> or these sucked, but my rolls were so good on telling the story. And we fought some. The time I ruined. <laughs> Mother Larissa's flapjacks. <laughs> and we bought some spirals, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yep, that's, that's one too. You know, long-time listeners will know that's why I made people tell the stories and not rely on rolls. Because I guess should not be in the silver record. Here's, here's where I draw the line when it comes to my table. All right, you already have the silver record, and my game is going to be set in the modern era. So if the accomplishments of the pack aren't equivalent or have the same gravitas as one of the stories that's already been calcified in the silver record, then it wouldn't warrant inclusion. It, unfortunately, th- that epic has gotten to the point now where a story has to at least have some weight to be able to have a strong foundation for the years to build upon that myth to make it big. Because I mean, as you know, the stories in the silver record, they have slight embellishments. From, from, time to, from telling to telling, it's going to be taller tale. But even tall tales have to have a kernel of truth at its core. And it has to be of a significant kernel. So if the accomplishments of the pack aren't strong enough or to really warrant being turned into this grandiose mythos, then it's not really silver record worthy. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, um, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I look at... <laughs> oh, no, I agree with him, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, we can throw in... We did the four-parter, right, of our first four uh, the postmortems. Into the Breach, yes. Into the Breach. And we look at that story, and I know there's quite a few who still haven't heard that. So if you haven't, go back and listen, because it's actually pretty good. Okay, spoiler alert. <laughs> but we look at the, the sacrifice at the end there. And right. we were part of it, but that Don't doesn't... Don't tell our side of the story. Right. But if it's going to be in the Silver Record, it's not what we did as a pack. Because we were just there for it. Right. We were just barely, you know, old we, enough we to be... We were on the outskirts. <laughs> and you, you bore witness, but... Right, we were... Exactly, we were witness to it. That, that story probably should be in the Silver Record, as far as our game goes. Hmm. But it's right. not if the you, story of our pack. It was right. the story of the sacrifice and 
all the different packs that came together to do it, and also maybe our pack was there. Barely. Well, let me take that uh, to, to a different level there. Okay. And I won't give any details because this deals with our, our most recent chronicle, Shadows and Tall Trees. Right. But the, their pack discovered something relevant and old. Like they, they rediscovered something that was lost. Mm-hmm. And you guys did it. Now certainly that accomplishment, that story, what happened, deserves to be told. Now, is it silver record worthy? Maybe. But the difference is, is where and how it gets told. Absolutely. So, like, you go home to your sept and you tell the story to all your friends and family at your home sept. And it's going to stay there. Right. But, you know, the next time you're sent out on a job, like across the country, and you tell that story, and maybe that story moves on, and I think that has a lot to do with it both the strength of the tail and how far it goes in the winds. If you have a bunch of striders, for example, in your sept, and that story's good enough, that's going to get told other places. Much as you guys love, like, the Rabies and Chains pack from our games, they're a local group. Their name rings out in Jersey. They know who they are over in Manhattan. But maybe that's it. Right. You go over to California and drop the name Rabies and Chains, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. So I think that has something to do with it, too. Oh, I agree. 100% agree. But then you look at, you know, the Silent Howl in, in our game, and they're a, I want to say the word, nomadic pack? They're a very nomadic pack. So so their stories get out everywhere. Exactly. And definitely embellished. <laughs> a little bit. And I'm sure even, like, what Sekhmet Rainmaker would hear his own story sometime and go, <laughs> yeah. yeah that <laughs> or hear and go, no, it didn't happen that way. It happened this way. Probably. Yeah. And yet, to use our games, for example, yeah, the story of the time the segment Rainmaker killed a Nexus Crawler with a Sandcastle. <laughs> now, now, is that relevant in the grand scheme of things? No, it's not. But it's an entertaining story. It's right. a story that's going to get passed around. I think that story does make the silver record because people keep fucking telling exactly. it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. And because that's, yeah. it's, cause it's constantly told that makes it in there. Yep. Great. If you're looking at it from a practical perspective, out of the table itself, from for a storyteller, uh, I would advise storytellers to look at either like chapter-wide events or even chronicle-wide events to decide if it should be included in the civil record in your own table canon. If it's something that it's a whole chronicle that all this crazy stuff happened in the chronicle, pick out the two or three major significant events and then create a silver record story from those events, um, and then incorporate those into your head into your table. And I think that's probably the best way to really do it, because that way you have some type of buy-in from your table, from your characters at your table, into the silver record itself. So that, like Danny was talking about, Chronicle or two down the road, you have your players sitting around Mootfire, and they hear this tale of their first Chronicle, but it's been truncated based on you as a storyteller writing it to be appropriate for the silver record. So they know the story because they lived it, but it's been really embellished and, and made this grandiose story so they're kind of also entranced like hey that's really cool i was there i seen that nexus crawler get smashed by a sandcastle not exactly how it happened but i love the way they're going i think that's great advice to build on again how it's told and not only when it's told by players should be important too to help pass that on but Mm -hmm. 
I think with that, we, we are unfortunately out of time for the day. Yeah, it's pretty close. So so um, so um before we do the sign-off, Grant, what are you working on? What, what should people get excited about? Look out for... So for Weaponized Inc., we have two things. Um, we have Tales of the Savage Age, which is anthology stories that we're going to be releasing sometime soon. Brandon's leading up on it. Uh, we, we have a lot of really good authors that have uh, wrote short stories for it that will be included. It's going through the final processes now, so... Any time that would be released, and you know, we'll let you all know when that happens. Uh, myself, I'm still working one. on the uh, the tribe book, Aja book for the Where Cave Hyena for Savage Age. That's going to be fantastic. It's coming along. And then for Edged in Crimson, I'm still working on Enoch by Night. Very diligently, it will come out before anything else. I promise. I know I keep getting sidetracked and doing other books, but uh, Enoch by Night is now my, my number one priority. Uh, and until it's released, that's what I'm going to be working on. That's excellent. And you can find once once they're out. And you'll, you'll hear about it here. Oh, I'm sure we'll tell everyone, yeah. Because, yeah, we'll show for you, Grant. You know, we love you. Um, Appreciate you, it. you can find those at the Storyteller's Vault when the time comes. And you can find the Savage Age at the Storyteller's Vault right now. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't, go do it. That's after you get done listening to this episode. Maybe uh, well, listen to some past ones, too, because why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is our time today. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Not only for me, but on behalf of Mr. Daniel Tyson, Tommy Dixon, and uh, I'm going to say Grant, too, and he can't stop me. <laughs> so everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Raw Sharp, and I swivel. We'll see you.